of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones, and today discussing kind of a uh, both theological and a little bit philosophical issue, and I'm going to be talking about the continuity and integration of the Bible uh, with a focus on the New Testament, and um, uh, this is kind of just a broad um, topic, not something uh, totally related to uh, anything in particular that's going on right now, but um, a topic that at some point in your life, if you're a Christian, probably comes up in some form or fashion. And uh, so I want to discuss that a little bit today, and that's the continuity and integration of the Bible with a focus today on the New Testament. Um, there are disparities of, of Scripture reading and interpretation uh, within Christians' personal study habits and personal devotional habits. Uh, on one extreme, someone may read mere portions of the Bible with preconceived notions and make grave errors in interpreting the text. On the other extreme, however, um, someone could pursue scholarly excellence and yet still with preconceived notions uh, which lend themselves to a negative and even a false interpretation of Scripture. And so um, regarding New Testament study... Um, it's clear that its writing should be examined with the meta narrative of the entire Bible in mind. And so, culturally, the New Testament was written in a vastly different era and from an exceedingly different perspective than modern Western civilization. Often, Bible students are guilty of studying the New Testament in much the same way as it would operate in our own society. But cultural perspectives are inevitable and therefore give every reader of the New Testament a hermeneutic. In other words, no uninterpreted extra-biblical text or commentary is possible to exist. If you read a commentary, if you read a text, if you read a book about the Bible, if you read a note about the Bible, it is going to be interpreted. I don't care what people say, there is no such thing as an uninterpreted text. And so the danger is that such interpretations are often the bedrock of shaping an entire people. Interpretation uh, should be accurate and, in, and as informed uh, as possible. And so that is what leads me to discuss this today. Discrepancies found in the New Testament are often boldly noted by critics. Uh, maybe you've had a discussion with someone who is not a Christian and uh, man, do they ever bring out the discrepancies, um, or, or the seeming discrepancies, I should say. Contrarily, there are those who only understand the New Testament writings on the basis of singular passages or verses. And uh, so, uh, if you do that, you run the risk of perpetuating and even perhaps enhancing the arguments of those critics. The, um, the paradoxical issues of the New Testament can be reconciled, however, on the basis of its overarching thematic content and its continuity of such thematic material in content. And so, in this podcast episode, I'm going to submit the basis for both, both the New Testament's continuity and integration uh, to conclude its persuasion by the resilience of the text. So, number one, the continuity. There is continuity in quality. 
the New Testament's continuity primarily comes in the way of quality. And so to examine the New Testament properly is to consider it as a part of a whole. In other words, the meta-narrative of the entire Bible must be considered when examined, number two, the seeming chasm between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New, the New Testament. Both of these uh, gods, if you will, it, it's the same God. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament include the same God. But the difference in the Old Covenant and the, U, and the New Covenant and the way that God acted in both of those require reconciliation. The New Testament is replete with metaphorical writings. Even Jesus' use of parables often includes metaphor. And so while metaphors could easily create the illusion of contradictions, determining what texts include metaphor and how to interpret them is vital to a proper understanding of New Testament continuity. Scripture often uses metaphor or even poetry to suggest a key theme. Uh, Biblical poetry offers a precise language for focusing on the narrative's central themes, themes that are extended throughout the plot, throughout the, the various actions of the characters, but then gathered and compacted together into poetic lines. Jesus, for example, let me give you an example of some metaphor here. He claims to be the door in John 10, 9. He says, I am a door. I am the door. But someone would be a fool to believe that his claim references a literal door. Although the dividing line between metaphor and literal interpretation could be blurry, I contend that most instances are clear. But someone, each individual has to determine these instances to see the continuity of the New Testament. So in in many ways, um, most references of metaphor are clear, but the ones that are not, um, you have to interpret. Is it it literal or is it it metaphor? And and this is a, a, a big difference between Catholic theology and Protestant theology in many ways. When you take communion, are you literally digesting the body and blood of Christ? And there are those that believe that you are. I do not. And so there are differences in these things, and we have to conclude and make make a decision is what we have to do as individuals, an informed decision. Uh, The New Testament uses many metaphors to reveal an overarching theme within the framework of Christianity. The New Testament, for example, speaks of Jesus as light, 1 John 1, 5, as the shepherd in John 10. It speaks of of unbelief as darkness and night in John 3, 19, and Christians as fruit-bearing trees in Matthew 7, 17 through 18. But are we literally trees? No, obviously we're not trees. Obviously unbelief is not literally darkness, although it is spiritual darkness. Uh, When the use of metaphor is separated from the New Testament's use of literality, one can more easily see and understand the continuity of the quality that exists in its text. So that's number one. The second solution to understanding the New Testament's continuity is reconciling the disparate approaches of the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. Both are the same God, and nothing changes about God throughout the Bible. Nothing changes about him. He is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. And so we must realize that first and foremost. Arguments against Christianity often include references to Old Testament laws, which do not seem to apply in the New Testament. But we need to know and understand the threefold division of the law under the Old Covenant. So there, and I've talked about this a little bit. I discussed it recently even. Uh, There is the moral law, the ceremonial law, and the civil law. I talked about this last week when I was talking about Romans 13. Um, God's moral law includes edicts which are transcendent through time as a part of his character. And so the ceremonial law and the civil laws are not necessarily linked to God's character. And this is, this is the reason that homosexuality is still considered to be sin in the New Testament writings, but eating what was once considered unclean food is no longer sinful. Uh, this is from Peter's vision on the roof in Acts chapter 10. Uncleanness is perceived in its essence as disorder, a threat to social harmony and decency, an element tolerable only at the margins, but preferably completely beyond the borders maintained by a society. And so when you see Peter's vision on the roof, he comes from a Jewish background. People question this. Why are you eating unclean food, unclean animals, if you will? Why are you eating these? This is wrong. (laughs) And, um... And God said, let nothing be called unclean. Talking about these animals, you can eat these now. We were under the law, now we're under grace, we're under the new covenant. Same God. That narrative of scripture extends from Jesus, who he is, and his work in the lives of his people. All of scripture then holds the same theme. Even individual portions of the Bible ultimately point to Christ. And this is what unifies the two Testaments. It's not simply content pulled apart from the seams of its narrative, but the narrative itself is what's important. So all content within the Bible centers around Christ. What the New Testament does is offer God a person. It offers God as a person, and that person is Jesus. And so Jesus is the very nature of God. He is God. And while Christ is certainly present in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the Christ is Jesus. And critics might point to a discrepancy between the means of salvation in the Old Testament and that of the New Testament. Nevertheless, the New Testament authors took over both the terminology and theological implications of justification from Jewish heritage. And so, to, to reconcile both of these, the, the means of salvation in the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, it, it's there. And so, it's possible, we can do it, and we need to do it. Furthermore, um, here's another example. James seems to differ from Paul on the means of justification. So, the author speaks of works in a significant manner, meaning people point to James as talking about works and as if he's saying that works is the way of salvation, but when James's letter is examined closely, it becomes clear that his concept of works is that of what is derived from something deeper, namely justification by Christ alone. And so New Testament writings surely include paradoxes, but paradoxes which are surely uh, reconciled in light of the gospel. And we need to make these reconciliations as Christians, as believers, we need to be able to give an account of these. 
there are critics out there. How will we answer to them? The overarching theme throughout the New Testament is Jesus Christ. While the details of the New Testament paradoxes should certainly be addressed, we should not lose sight of the theme. Jesus, his lordship, and his, his sonship. The integration of Christ the Son is replete throughout the New Testament. And so its integration thereof is certainly plain. And so what do we do with this information? The New Testament holds continuity. It holds integration. There is a persuasion by the resilience of the text. What the biblical canon has overcome historically is a feat of endurance in itself. The fact that the text has been preserved for thousands of years should give readers a sense of security in its reliability. The resilience of the text speaks volumes to the accuracy and reliability of the New Testament. While there are various approaches in interpreting Scripture, it's right for professing Christians to question those who ridicule the Bible and its legitimacy. It's indisputable that the Holy Bible forms the basis and foundation of faith for all Christian churches and confessions. At the same time, however, we cannot overlook the fact that with the passing of the centuries, this foundation has continually suffered from various alterations, misinterpretations, and distortions. And there are people out there that are willing to do whatever is possible to stamp out Christianity and stamp out the Bible. The New Testament holds a secure continuity in its quality. In other words, despite a plurality of paradoxes, reconciliation thereof is possible and necessary when the New Testament is read with the meta narrative of the gospel and the entire Bible in mind. Additionally, uh, the integration of Christ's lordship and sonship is replete throughout the New Testament writings as a resounding theme worthy to be th- to be studied, to be read, and to be believed. And when the New Testament seeming discrepancies are resolved, we need to decide for ourselves which course of action to take. And hopefully you have already decided on this, but everyone must give an account for what they do with Christ. And so when we realize the overarching reliability of the New Testament, what will you do? Believe on the name of Jesus Christ for salvation or continue to reject the one who indisputably lived and died for the sins of his people? My hope is the first. That's my hope and prayer that everyone listening to this podcast knows and trusts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Did it, did it.